Good evening, LCM. There we Amen. go. Tonight is Wednesday, January 22nd, 2020. And the title of tonight's sermon is Cultivating the Hope of Growth. Cultivating the Hope of Growth. Church, we are in the midst of the Lord helping us in each and every one of us to elevate our priesthood. The call to cultivate is echoing through our ears. It's in a, echoing in our lives and it's echoing in the homes of each and every one of us here in this room. Oh, can you hear what the Lord is saying to us? Right? Since the word of noble occupation, the Lord has been calling us to cultivate the soils of our hearts. Well, it's our, our desire tonight to cultivate our hearts further. Everybody say further. further. We want to cultivate further our hearts with a focus on the hope of growing what we are sowing daily into the soils of our hearts. So let's start by turning to 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 5. Say there when you're there. What, after all, is Apollos? And what is Paul? Only servants. Only servants. Through whom you came to believe. As the Lord has assigned each, I mean, to each his task. So remind me again, Apollos and Paul are being referred to as only servants. Servants. So here Paul is doing something rather discipleship maker-like, right? This is an epistle to the church in Corinth. And there's this argument breaking out between the disciples. Some say, I follow Apollos. Some say, I follow Paul. It's kind of a wrestling match of determining who's the greatest. But he's settling it. And what he's, what he's telling you is that, look, we're just only servants. I'm going to realign your perspective. I'm going to adjust your vision here. Because you're focusing on the wrong thing. You're focusing on the exact person that the Lord has assigned as a servant. Now, that servant has a function, right? It's a ser- servant of the King of Kings, and that name is Jesus. And they were focused only on the servant that they were following, not on whom the servant was uh, uh, underneath the lordship of. Well, he clarifies this by saying, look, through whom you came to believe. Right? Because the disciples that Paul is writing to didn't get saved in the name of Paul. They didn't get saved in the name of Apollos. They got saved into the name of Jesus. And the servant was only a herald and a messenger bringing that seed of salvation and planting it into their hearts. Then he moves on to each his task. So Apollos has a certain task. Paul has a certain task. But you know what? That's not the focus either. So first he's realigning their focus on man. Then he's realigning their focus on not the task, but on something else. See, because servants do have a task assigned to them by their king. But the task is not the focus. The servants are the focus. Let's see exactly what the focus was. Verse 6. I planted the seed. Apollos watered it. Pretty significant functions, right? A servant and his task. But God made it grow. Oh, there it is. Oh, my goodness. So you had that assigned task of planting the seed, watering the seed. But who's the only one that can actually make this thing grow? 
So verse 7 says, so neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything. I mean, really, when it can compare to God, you're, you're really nothing. That's true. So true. You're just being an obedient servant to the task that's been given to you by the king. And it continues. So let me read this again. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything but only God. Come on. There's a, there's a little comma after the D on God. But only God is the one who's the most important. Only God is the one who is the primary focus of it all. Amen. Having seed within a hand is a powerful start. It's a potential. Being able to water that seed in the soil is the ability to further that potential. But the only way that that can happen is that God gives it growth. But only God who makes things grow. See, when we get to work as servants doing our task with that trust that God's going to give growth to that task, that means planting, planting with faithful obedience to the king, only speaking those words that he's given you to speak, only doing those actions that he's told you to do. That watering, like Apollos, is the faithful obedience to the king to add to that seed that God has already used somebody else to plant inside the soil of someone's heart. But overall, who makes it grow again? Remind me. Only God. See, the servants in their task are not the focal points. The focal point is only God who is able to make things grow. I mean, was there ever a point in time in Paul or Paul's life where they said, maybe if I just strain a little bit out here on the outside, it'll make it come out of the ground. Maybe if I just push a little bit harder with my strength, maybe that seed inside of me will just pop out with a sprig. I don't think so. You know, this looks like something in our life where we go, you know what? I've been faithfully cultivating something, Pastor Wade. I've been faithfully cultivating the soil in my heart for the past three weeks. Man, for the whole year of 2020. For the whole year of 2020. Not even past 30 days here. You know, I've been, I've been breaking up the hard ground. I mean, I've been, I've been throwing some rocks, man. Picking them up out of the soil in my heart and hurling them as far as the eye can see. I've been exterminating those things that have been choking out my faith for three weeks. But why haven't I seen any growth? Why, why is anything happening here? I've been faithfully sowing the seed of God's word into my heart for the past three weeks. So I've, I've been cultivating it. I've been sowing that seed for three weeks. But Pastor Wade, I've been getting my daily bread, but I just, I'm not where I should be. I've been faithfully watering the seed in the soil of my heart. I'm talking about that daily discipline of being led by his spirit. Lord, why am I not transformed into the full image of who you are yet? I'm a little disappointed with myself. I don't think this thing is working. I'm not sure if the pastors really gave us the right word on this because it's been three weeks and I see no change. Why don't I see any hope? Why am I struggling with hopelessness? It's because I have the wrong perspective. Verse 8, let's pick it up. The man who plants and the man who waters have what kind of purpose? One purpose. And each will be rewarded according to his own labor. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field. God's building. That one purpose, that one focal point of our hope is God who makes things grow. 
If you're wrestling with hopelessness, adjust your vision, adjust your perspective. You have it on the wrong thing. Lift up your eyes. Make him and his ability to make things grow your focal point. Because you know what? He is the one who actually provided the seed to sow in the first place. He's the one who is giving water from the heavens that is to give life to what's inside the soil. He is the very one who causes the growth of what is being planted inside of you and planted inside of other people. Come on, this perspective demands that we demonstrate a character that will not quit. Come on, you know like that song says, we're too legit to quit. He's too legit to quit. We have to have that character that absolutely will not give up. It has to be a kind of character that is full of hope. A full of hope that God will match your faithfulness with his ability to grow what's been planted inside of you. And the hope is this, that each will be rewarded. Because a character that will not quit is a character that shows that it's cultivating the hope of growth inside of our hearts. Come on, anybody need a little hope tonight? Anybody need to cultivate your hope? See, this is where we are. Let's all turn to Deuteronomy chapter 11, and we're going to continue with this idea. Man, it's only God that makes things grow. If we just called it a night, got Peyton and the worship team back up here, this should already make you feel and have a clearer picture of what is going on in your life. Ever seen a little kid that you start, you, you back them up to the little, uh, to your door and that you want to measure how tall they are? Try to get as tall as they can, stretching out. Can you actually add any height to, no, the, the answer is, no. is you can't cause yourself to grow. See, only God can make things grow. Look at Deuteronomy chapter 11 and verse 13 and you're going to see how this continues on. So if you faithfully obey, somebody say faithfully obey. Man, not just obey but faithfully obey the commands that I'm giving you today. Oh, yeah. Come on now. When the Lord gives you something, you are supposed to begin to faithfully obey what He has given you. In the Hebrew here, it's kind of telling. It's two words repeated. It's shma, shma. It's you need to listen with the intent to obey and then do that again. You need to keep going in this idea. It needs to be doubly manifest in your life that you're going to listen to what God has to say. Amen. Come on, now this is like the whisper that was given to Elijah yeah. that results in a shout of obedience. You're going to listen yeah. and you're going to put it into practice. This is the way we cultivate our hope. You want to know how to cultivate your hope tonight? Mm. This is it. You begin to faithfully obey what he has said. Yeah, pastor, but I did it for the last three weeks. Amen. Then that's a great start. Congratulations. Now keep going. You took one step. <laughs> did you hear in the passage that pastor read this idea that we are both the field of God and the building of God? Yeah. Anybody ever work uh, cultivating anything out in a field before? Yeah, very few of us. <laughs> I dug some ruts. <laughs> What Paul was illustrating in 1 Corinthians 3 was two projects that take a long, long time to complete. Yeah. They take a long time for you to get in a field and work something. You have to prepare the ground. Then you have to have a plant, a planting time. Then you have to cultivate it. Then you have to harvest it. Then you have to do something with the harvest. See, this is a long, long process. Yeah. When you're making a building, you've got to work through things. It takes time. But if you begin to faithfully obey... See, then you can cultivate your hope. Yes. This is the attitude and the action that we have to cling to. 
Look at what the verse continues to say. So if you faithfully obey the commands that I'm giving you today, to love the Lord your God and to serve Him with all your heart and your soul. Well, that sounds like a verse earlier in Deuteronomy, doesn't it? Yes, it does. It's just kind of lightly quoting it. It's reminding you of all the teaching that goes along with that. Look at verse 14. Then. Somebody say then. Then. If you faithfully obey, if you love and serve, then I will send rain on your land in its season. Y'all hear that? Send what? Oh, my goodness. So then he sends rain. What did we do tonight? Yeah. We were in a time of prayer. We said, Lord, help us to be still. And we let the music go away for just a second. God help us. And it got quiet in the room. And as we begin to pray, what happened? The Lord sent rain then. That's kind of a nice homiletic. That's kind of nice of the Lord to actually demonstrate what we're talking to everyone about tonight. Then he gets to send rain. See, first you're faithful. First you're obedient. First you steal yourself. And then what happens? Then he sends the rain. See, if you're a farmer, it's nice that you go out in the field, but you can only till the ground so much. Isaiah 28 teaches us that. You can only plant so much. You can only tend the ground so much. But you know what you can't do, Mr. Farmer Man? You can't make it rain. You can do an awful lot. You can work really hard to prepare the field, to prepare the soil of your heart, but you can't make it rain. But He can. Come on. Come on, Lord, make it rain. Come on, right now. See, then I will send rain on your, on your land in its season. Somebody say, in its season. In its season. At just the right time, both autumn and spring rains, so that you may gather in, listen to this, your grain, your new wine, and your oil. Everybody say grain. Grain. New wine. New wine. And oil. oil. This is like the perfect trifecta of blessing in these times. You couldn't get any better than to have grain new wine, and oil. What an incredible thought here. See, God is causing their land to grow. He is making it rain because you can't do that part. See, there's a part that we have, but there's the major part that he has. You can have Paul and Apollos watering and planting, but what you can't do is send the rain on it. See, that is what the Lord is trying to do for us. There are seasons in our lives. You may have to gather up, but let's, let's do it tonight. Let's talk about this for just a second. You better not dig up and doubt what you just planted in faith. That's a good word. You can't dig it up. Those things that you said, I'm going to do this, Lord. I'm going to do this. And then you don't see immediate results. Wow. Well, I guess I need to go get my seed out the ground. I guess the Lord just said, yeah, he hadn't even sent rain yet. It's not even the season for that. How many things do we lose out on because we just don't understand that it is only God that makes things grow? Come on, I'm going to try harder to be taller. No, this is what I got. This this is it. I'm going to try harder. Yeah, amen. I can only try with everything that I have, and then it's still God that's got to make this thing grow. You know what I think of, Pastor? I think of planting a seed in a soil, looking up, seeing rain clouds in the distance, taking out of the soil, chasing that cloud. Chasing the next Goodness. one. I'm just chasing rain clouds with, my, with this seed. No, that's I wonder how, why it won't grow. That's not how this works. Look at verse 15. I will provide grass in the fields for your cattle. Hey, by the way, by the way, he just sent the rain. But he'll provide grass in the field for your cattle. He's yeah. even worried about the, the parts of your home that you may have forgotten about. 
And you will eat and be satisfied. See, as you begin to elevate your hope in this place tonight, as you begin to cultivate that hope so that you might have growth in your life, see, what he's going to do is you can eat. Anybody ever eaten and not be satisfied? Many times. That's true. But when you can eat and be satisfied, why? Because he's given you the grain. He's given you the new wine. He's given you the oil. And it's supposed to be to remind you that he is the one who sent the rain. Come on. Turn to Zechariah chapter 8. We're going to find some, some very good parallels to what we just read. Zechariah 8 verse 12. The seed will grow well. The vine will yield its fruit. The ground will produce its crops. What? When we were reading this, we couldn't help but notice three things grouped together. So help me out with this. Help me get, gain some understanding, some education. So how exactly do we get oil? Does, it, does it, oil itself grow on trees? No. Oil comes from an olive tree. An olive tree comes from an olive seed. So with that seed... As seen here in Zechariah 8, that seed of the olive tree will grow well. What exactly does that mean? It means it's going to produce an abundance of fruit that then supplies an abundance of oil. Yeah, come on. Then we move on. We have next, we have the vine will yield its fruit. What do we get from vines? Yes, grapes and wine. In order, grapes, then wine. Right? wine come on that abundant harvest and these have a purpose they have action but do you see the parallel to the passage that pastor Wade just got through reading right out of deuteronomy 11 so we have the oil we have the wine from the vine and then we have the crops those crops are wheat barley spelt you know what all three of these have in common as well in order to be useful for consumption they have to be crushed that olive has to be crushed to get that pure oil ready for the temple those grapes have to be crushed and fermented to be that wine that god demands to drink within his presence this grain this wheat this barley this spelt has to be threshed has to be crushed in order to bake bread and what is pleasing as an offering before god Come on, it's in those times of being crushed that we're actually being prepared. And we need to cultivate the hope for growth of what God's doing inside of us. As we read further in this verse, and the heavens will drop their dew. Oh, what it's like whenever we begin to be faithful to God. That obedience that demonstrates a trust that God is going to give us what we need in that time of sowing seed in the soil? You know, each of these, these three elements, the seed, the vine, and the crops, began as a seed. And a seed of hope that was being planted in a cultivated, noble soil. When combined with the dew of heaven, the seeds were then able to become an inheritance for His people. Like it continues in the verse, I will give all these things as an inheritance to the remnant of His people. By cultivating the hope 
of growth in the soil of our hearts, we can hope to be transformed. Because since this message of noble occupation, and we're calling you to elevate your priesthood, which involves cultivating all the field of your heart, you're finding rocky places. You're finding hardened paths. You're finding areas where weeds are choking out your faith. And what we are elevating is your hope so we can elevate your priesthood. That hope is that God can transform the soil of your hearts and begin to produce a good crop. The result is this, as we pick up in verse 13, as you have been an object of cursing among the nations, O Judah and Israel, so will I save you. Do you hear hope in that? So will I save you, and you will be a blessing. See, when we're allowing the Lord to cultivate the soils of our heart, leading to the transformation of the soils in our heart, we're then able to be a blessing and no longer a curse. Be a blessing for those within our household. Be a blessing to those within this church. To be a blessing within to those who are in the nations. Because what you practice in here is, or yeah, what you practice in here, you're going to perform out there. We want to be transformed to being a blessing. But it comes with a process. The very last part of this verse struck my heart this morning. Because I'm reading these good things. Yes, okay, the seed and the vine and the crops, this all really good. But Lord, what do I do? You ever ask that when you read the word? Lord, I, I see what you're asking of me, but how exactly do I accomplish cultivating the hope? of growth don't be afraid the next step after making all these promises is just simply don't be afraid how much does fear how much does fear rob you of the soil or the 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 fruit that come from the soil of your heart i mean something's been cultivated it's been growing within your heart it is Getting to that place of maturity. And then fear comes right in, robs it off the vine, crushes the crop, destroys the olives on the ground. We have to put aside fear. Let's crush fear in the name of Jesus. That's the first step. It cannot be there. Only the fear of the Lord is to be there. The second step, how to cultivate the hope of growth is let your hands be strong. Because see, when you remove that fear of failure and replace it with the faith to finish, you're cultivating the hope for growth. When you dispel from your heart doubt and despair and replace it with hope and a character that won't quit, you are cultivating the hope of growth. When you are conquering your quivering knees and legs that give way by tightening your grip on the word of God, you are cultivating your hope for growth. Tonight, we are elevating your priesthood by elevating your hope in what God can do inside of you. Tonight, we are going to cultivate the hope of growth in your hearts that trust the God of heaven to produce a harvest of righteousness in your hearts, in your spouse's hearts, in your children's hearts, in the hearts of everyone in this church. Come on, somebody say, I won't be afraid. I won't be afraid. I'm going to have strong hands. got strong hands. Let's turn to Psalm chapter 104. Psalm 104. And we're going to look at verse 14. Come on, we're going to help you to cultivate the hope of growth tonight. 
Are you guys hearing how long of a process it is to get from any point, any stage of this, for the seed to be planted? That means that the yeah. soil already had to be worked. That means there has to be a season where rain can fall, where growth can occur, where dirt, where the earth can be moved away. Then there has to be a harvest. Then there has to be a threshing. Then there has to be a bake. There's all kinds of steps in this process. Yeah. And when we think of planting a seed, we're like, yeah, tomorrow I'm going to have what I need. <laughs> This is, this is an incredibly long process, stage after stage yep. after stage. When you are eating a piece of bread that you have made, that took a long time for it to get there. Ooh, that's precious. When you have wine in your glass, there's a reason that it's precious because it took a long time to get there. Yeah. It took a long time to cultivate it. When you have the oil there, it took a long time for it to get there. See, this is what we're dealing with tonight. Look at Psalm 104 and verse 14. Say there when you're there. He makes grass grow for the cattle. Come on. I love that. He's taking care of it and plants for man to cultivate. Look what it's saying here in this verse. It's God that makes things grow. Yeah. He makes the grass grow. He makes the plants grow for man to cultivate. cultivate. Yeah, you're right. Bringing forth fruit, food from the earth. Look at verse 15. Wine that gladdens human hearts. Whoa, Oil to make a face shine and bread that sustains the heart. Look at that. Come on. Are you telling me that in the law, in the prophets, and in the writings, ding, ding, ding. we have the demonstration of the wine, the oil, and the bread over and over and over again? And why are we talking about the wine? See, the pressing of those grapes causes something. It causes the grapes must be crushed for the wine to gladden your heart. Come on. <laughs> See, for the olives, they must be pressed for the oil that makes us radiant. Somebody say radiant. Radiant. The grain has got to be ground for the bread that sustains our heart. Come on. See, these are the processes that goes on. And here we are on day 22 of the year going, Lord, this has been rough already. This has been a bit difficult. Because we don't feel like we have it all together. Yeah, that's what it's called. That's what it feels like to actually elevate something in your life. See, if you want to stay with the comfort of saying, I already know what this feels like, then you will not be able to elevate. See, but you're also not going to get uh, the grain that'll be made into bread that'll sustain your heart. You won't be able to get the oil that causes your face to become radiant with his presence. See, you won't get the wine that just gladdens your heart and gives you joy everywhere you go. See, you can tell if these are being, uh, the fruit that's being produced in your life, how, how joyful have you been lately? How radiant have you been lately? How sustained have you been lately? Goodness gracious. Come on. Preaching to me, Pastor. Preaching to me. Come on. We need a joy in this house. Somebody say, I want to be joyful. I want to be joyful. Then you need wine. Some of you are like, yes, say it again. You need that oil. Yes. Because your face isn't going to be radiant without it. There's no substitute. There's no amount of cosmetics that can help you. There's no tanning out in uh, anyway. There's nothing that can help you like the oil that will make your face radiant or the bread that can sustain your heart. See, this is supposed to help us to cultivate the hope of growth. Somebody say hope of growth. Hope of growth. In our hearts tonight. Mm. See, he's going to help you. He's going to send the rain. He can do these things for you as you are faithfully obedient to what he has already said to you. Amen? Amen. Let's turn to Isaiah chapter 55. Say hope of growth whenever you get there. 
Y'all didn't turn there yet. There we go. Verse 9. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways. And my thoughts, your thoughts. Tonight we need a heavenly perspective, church. We need a heavenly perspective that acknowledges that the God of all heavens has this figured out. Has it figured out better than we do. He has it planned out better than we do. He has strength better than we do. Because that wine, that oil, and that grain, that comes from Him. The ability to make your heart glad comes from Him. The ability to make your face shine comes from Him. The ability to satisfy the deepest needs that you have comes from Him. You got to lift your head up. You got to lift up your eyes. Change your perspective if you're lacking any one or all three of those things. That perspective is focusing on one that is higher than your ways, higher than your thoughts. See, because what our ways and our thoughts acknowledge is that, that this is a fact, this is a truth. So, therefore, I am only limited to what I can see as fact and truth. But all the time, there is a greater fact. There is a greater truth that results in the greatest God that there is. I want to read you something out of Matthew 13, but stay where you are in Isaiah 55. Matthew 13, 31 says, he told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his field. Though it is the smallest of all your seeds, yet when it grows, it is the largest garden plant and becomes a tree. So that the birds of the air come and perch on its branches. I read this the other morning and the Lord began to stir my heart with an improper perspective that I had about myself. He showed me that the kingdom of heaven planted inside of me, I was viewing it with my natural eyes only, with my thoughts and my ways. Lord, I don't have what it takes to produce the outcome of what you desire from me. I'm looking at this mustard seed of, of gifting, mustard seed of talent, mustard seed of, of desire that you put for me to continue on growing the way that you've called me to. I don't see it. You know, I had the chance to hold in my hand a mustard seed in my last trip to Israel. And I stared at it for a good five minutes. I'm sure people thought I was deranged. It's a mustard seed. As I looked at it, I'm imagining in my mind how, how does this little bitty seed turn into the largest of all garden plants and even becomes a tree? I mean, I've seen garden plants, seen tomato plants and even corn that gets eight feet tall. This little bitty seed turns into a tree. Lord, this is what you're desiring out of me. You're desiring for me to cultivate the hope of growth that is small. It may be even the smallest amount of whatever in comparison to anybody else. But you know what lies within it? The kingdom of God. What lies within it is all the potency and power of heaven contained in that small little seed. It is a potential for the kingdom to grow within me. 
when we adjust our heavenly, our earthly perspective to a heavenly perspective, we can begin to cultivate the hope of growth. Let's read through verse 10 in Isaiah 55 and see how this plays out. As the rain and snow come down from heaven, do not return to it without watering the earth, making it bud and flourish, so that it yields what for the sower? Come on, that water from heaven is providing seed for the sower. That seed to sow into the next season. That seed that is guaranteeing a hope of provision of what God is going to do. And it is also providing bread for the eater. Come on, when the kingdom of God begins to grow within you, and in faith you are cultivating the hope of the growth of that seed, His rains come down from heaven and it will produce not just what you need for today. It'll produce what you need for the next 10 or 15 years. I am still running on the fuel of the heavenly potency that God put inside of me the day I was born again. Everyone challenged it in the first six months to a year. And they said, this is a fad for Matt. He's going to die out. He's going to become a hypocrite just like everybody else has. My intensity for Jesus has only grown from a mustard seed into a mustard tree. So if that's what happened the day I was born again, how much more the call of God that he's putting on our lives right now? How about the revelation that he's putting into the soil of your hearts? And if there's any delay, it's just that he's getting your soil right so you can grow right. We have to cultivate this in our hearts. He continues on in verse 11. So is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. I'm reading this and this to me is a message of hope about me. It's a message of hope about everything that God has entrusted to me. We can trust that when we are looking to his heavenly throne for growth, He will rain down his word into our hearts. And when he rains down his word into our hearts. He will not have an empty return. But let me put it more personal church. He will not have an empty return in you. He will accomplish what he desires in you. He will achieve the purpose for which he sent it inside of you. You have to cultivate the hope of growth in your hearts tonight, saints. When the Lord will be magnifying and revealing to you where you've been lacking that hope for growth. It'll look like something that has a title of frustration aggravation let the lord cultivate your hearts now as you hear this word let him help you identify these areas where it's just hard for you to see what the full potential of this really is i want you to turn your heads towards heaven with i want you to get a heavenly perspective i want you to elevate your priesthood as you elevate your hope in their growth and what god can do Turn with us to Colossians chapter 2. 
Colossians chapter 2. We're going to be taking a look at verse 19, but as you're turning there, I want you to understand the context of the verse. See, this entire passage is about maturity. Somebody say maturity. We could say that cultivating. We can say that as elevating. See, before this verse that we're going to read, it's addressing the immaturity of, of eating and drinking and special or holy days versus what the Lord is trying to do. See, these were only a shadow, that, not the reality which is found in Christ. One of our gates. Yeah. Y'all still looking at your 12 gates? Yes. If you're not, then you need to. It's talking about how the fullness of the deity lives in Christ, and we have been given that fullness. See, that's, that's a maturing. That gives us hope that we have that God is putting the same fullness that is in Christ into us. See, we should cultivate our hope with this. After this verse that we're about to read, it's addressing the immaturity of false wisdom, self-imposed rules and regulations that actually lack the power to restrain any sin. Wow, at least that was just for back in the Bible days, right? self-imposed rules that don't actually fix your heart. Let's read verse 19 together. This person has lost connection with the head from whom the whole body supported and held together by its ligaments and sinews grows as God causes it to grow. Come on. Come on now. See, this person has lost connection with the head. Christ And by the way, as it's going along, I want you to kind of hear the way that the language in this verse goes. This person has lost connection with the head. And by the way, the head is what controls the growth of the body. See, the head, Christ gives something to the whole body. It causes, he causes the body to grow. You want to know how to grow? Stay connected to the head. Trust that He will make things grow. He will send rain in its season. He will help you to cultivate. If you just stay engaged with what He's doing and don't become disconnected from Him. Disconnected through despair. Disconnected through distraction. Disconnected through whatever it may be. See, that cultivation should cause us to have hope tonight. As we stay connected to the head. As we operate in our assignment. Did you see there how it said... The ligaments and sinews, each part in the body has been assigned as Christ decided for it to be. He put you where you need to be. He put you in the function that you need to have. He did not do it incorrectly. He set you in the body as it pleased Him. And because of that, because He knows that, He can cause you to grow at the appropriate times as you stay steady, as you keep functioning the way He called you to function He will make you grow. Amen. My goodness. Church, we talked about on Monday night, we dove into the life of David. If you weren't there with us, you missed a beautiful, beautiful service. A beautiful time. See, what we were trying to help you do Monday that we didn't say it in these terms, we were trying to help you to keep you from losing connection with the head. We wanted you to see the importance of true repentance before the Lord. Everybody turn with me to Psalm 51. You should be very, very familiar with this passage. Everyone who was there on Monday night should have read this many times since Monday night. Let's see if I can do this with my glasses and actually step off the stage and make it without falling. 
In Psalm 51, I want to show you a few things. Have mercy on me, O God. According to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. You know, even as David is here and offering a prayer of repentance to the Lord, you know what he's doing? He's beginning by offering praise to the Lord. He's focusing on the greatness of our God. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin, for I know my transgressions. How do you keep from getting disconnected? You have to understand and know your transgressions. My sin is always before me. Against you and you only have I sinned, O Lord, and done what is evil in your sight. Don't we as human beings have the propensity to say that whatever we did was not as bad as what it really is? Yes. Don't we have a propensity? Don't we have the habit of making it much nicer than what it really was? We dress it up with really, really nice words. We call it our about we had an attitude problem. Instead of just saying that we had a wicked heart. We call it I was a little I was a little intimidated. Instead of just saying that we were a coward in that moment. See, the way that we like to do it is soften everything because it just makes it more palatable us. You do much better to actually jump in there like David did and say, yeah, I've sinned against you, Lord. It is a wickedness. Look at verse 5. For surely I was sinful at birth. He was like, you know what? Now that I think about it, I can't ever remember a time that I wasn't just like I am now. He's just, he's just putting it out there. Look at verse 7. Cleanse me with hyssop. Cleanse me with hyssop and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. See, the way that you get clean, the way that you get whiter than snow is you actually deal rightly. You start off understanding who God is. Then you walk actually to the altar of sacrifice and say, I'm laying it down right here. Burn it up, Lord. Burn this. Use the judgment now. I'm inviting the judgment in my life so that I can get to the labor and say, watch me, Lord. Cleanse me with hyssop. Because when I stand up from here, I want to feel that you're with me. I want to know that I've been made whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. What do you hear after you sin? Don't you hear in your, in your ears of your own soul? Don't you hear the condemnation that rings out? Don't you hear the fear that then says you're not worthy to do the next thing that God has called you to do? What do you hear when you really sin? See, what David heard is he's saying, Lord, I want to hear joy and gladness. I want to know that I've been made clean before you. Let the bones that you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face, not for me, Lord, but hide your face from my sins. Blot out my iniquity. And then we get to verse 10. Everybody say, oh, yeah. Create in me a pure heart, O God. Take that part in me that I cannot fix on my own. Take the part in me that is broken, and I need you to help my heart to grow, Lord. Only you can make things grow. Only you can create something, Lord. I need you to create in me. Don't renovate it. Don't tear it down and rebuild it. Just give me something new. Make me a new man. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not take me away from the bread of your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of my salvation. Lord, would you give me some of that new wine? Lord, now that we've been, you haven't removed your oil from me, you haven't removed the grain of your bread from me, 
Can you uh, give me some of that new wine to give me joy again? Come on. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. The truth is, is I can't always remember when I was a kid. I couldn't remember if it was your salvation or my salvation or what it was, honestly. I would quote it and kind of miss it sometimes when I was younger. No, it's clearly his salvation for us. I don't know why I ever had a problem with that, as if it were my salvation. No, I need it for sure, but it's his salvation. And grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Church, we're trying to keep you from getting disconnected from the head. You know what he does immediately after that? He did exactly what Pastor Matt did tonight. We were in a beautiful place of feeling and sensing the spirit. After this, he says, then I will teach transgressors your ways. Once you've been made actually right with the Lord, once you have been connected with the head and he's causing you to grow, you know what you do? You start being worried about the people who are around you. You start saying, oh, Lord, you've walked me through this in such a way. I want to go teach those other people how to walk in and do the exact same thing that I just did. I, Lord, you've, you've actually taught me something because I walked through this process rightly. And David lays it out here in a beautiful way. Then we can go out. See, because the gifts that you want, Lord, the sacrifices that you want are a broken spirit and a contrite heart. See, when I bring those to you, you will not despise them. You will reign on them. You will make them grow in our lives if we can walk before the Lord this way. See, church, we have to cultivate a hope that allows the opportunity for God to create something new in you, for God to make something grow inside of you. When we're allowing God to cultivate and create a new heart within us. He's, he's actually declaring in Psalm 51, creating me a pure heart. Unmixed with anything that else is there. He's asking to renew, be renewed with a steadfast spirit. And as Pastor Wade was saying earlier, when you experience that renewal of your salvation, that joy, it's not a joy just for you alone. It's a joy that makes you want to go and become a herald for the name of Jesus. You want to see others anointed with that same joy. You want to see others eat of that same bread of his presence. You want others to have the anointing of God on their heads just as as it is on yours. Your love and desire and concern for others grows as he's creating in you that pure heart. As you're cultivating that hope of growth. Let's go to chapter 1, verse 3. Let's see Paul's heart that demonstrated that he cultivated a hope of growth for those in this church. I thank my God every time I remember you. Aside from all of the single Christian pickup lines, this... (laughs) This scripture actually is the living, breathing word of God. It shows a cultivated hope of growth. In verse 4, he says, In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy. That same Psalm 51 aspect is at work within the cultivated soil of Paul's heart. And he's praying with joy about them. Not mumbling, not grumbling, not complaining about the last major mistake. But he has a joy about their ability 
to grow and become what they need to become. We know it because he continues, because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. There's a faithfulness that's there that he sees. See, that cultivated area of Paul's heart is cultivating a hope for growth inside of the people in that church. Six, being half-hearted. Being quasi-confident. Being confident. Being confident of this. That he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion. Until the day of Christ Jesus. There's a confidence that we're trying to cultivate here. That your confidence in what God began in you, He will carry it on into completion. Your confidence in what God began in your spouse, He will carry it on into completion. Your confidence in what God began in your children, He will carry it on to completion. That comes from a heart that has been cultivating the hope of growth in what God has done in you and those that you're responsible for. Your confidence comes from cultivating your heart over and over and over again of that hope of growth that God has put inside of you and everyone else around you. Church, I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you to elevate your hope. You know how you can recognize when it's time to elevate your hope, whenever despair begins to crawl through your door. Say, "Uh uh-uh, you're not coming through the doorway of my heart. I'm going to stomp you out with a confidence that comes from cultivating a hope for growth. I will not let you reside in my residence. It's time for you to be evicted from my house. Don't give it a notice. Don't negotiate with it on terms of payment. Tell it to get out in the name of Jesus. Despair doesn't belong in the hearts of men and women of God. A cultivated hope for growth does. John, I see you laughing. I know you're very familiar with evictions. And I think you like this one better because there's no notice required. It's immediate eviction in the name of Jesus. That's right. Because when we elevate our hope, we're going to elevate our priesthood. Come on, let's turn to 1 Timothy chapter 4. Church, we have just a few more verses, just a few more minutes with you. But we want to take this home to you in a, in a very uh, important way here. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 15. Come on now. I'm surprised pastor didn't just say, just curbs don't despair in your life, man. Just get it out of there. Pastor's actually showing you exactly what this passage is about. Look at 1 Timothy 4, 15. Be diligent in these matters. You got to take it seriously. You got to faithfully obey what God has given. Give yourselves wholly to them. Yeah. That's the attitude. What Pastor just displayed for you was this exact attitude that we are now reading in a different passage. Yeah. Be diligent in these matters. Give yourselves completely, wholly to them so that everyone may see your progress. Do you know what seeing your progress means? <laughs> that you ain't got it all together yet. That you are not the finished product that we all want to believe that we are. Then there would be no progress to see. You mean I can't be perfect in 21 days? <laughs> no, no perfect people in 21 days. Watch your life and your doctrine closely. See, so you got to shma, shma, exactly what the Lord has been saying to you. Persevere in them. Somebody say persevere. Persevere. Man, you got to keep going. You can't just plan it and then leave. 
You've got to plant something and then keep tending it. Keep, keep asking the Lord to rain upon it yeah. that He yeah. might cause it to grow. Amen. Persevere in them because if you do, see, you're going to be saved. You're going to grow. You're going to receive a harvest. And so will the people who are hearing and watching your life. Come on. Come on, tonight we need to cultivate the hope of growth in this place. Let's all turn to Hebrews chapter 6. Everybody say the word persevere for me. Persevere. How long should we persevere? As long as it takes. Is perseverance usually taking longer than you initially expected it? Always. Otherwise, it wouldn't be perseverance. But there's a purpose for perseverance. And that's one of the elements that we're trying to drive home into your hearts and minds tonight. Hebrews 6 verse 7 starts out with land that drinks the rain, often falling on it, and that produces a crop useful to those for whom it is farmed, receives the blessing of God. The land in this passage is the soil of your heart. And that land, as it drinks of the rain from heaven like we read from Isaiah 55, and it has the seed of God's word planted inside of it. It will produce a crop useful to whom? For those whom it is farmed, right? So whenever the soils of your heart have been cultivated with a hope for growth, the seed of God's word is put inside and the rain of heaven begins to bring it to life, that God makes it grow. It begins to produce fruit out of you that is a blessing for those around you. It begins to produce that oil of joy that's infectious. It begins to produce that wine that makes the heart glad for everyone else. It produces that bread that sustains the hungry and the weary for everyone else that's coming out of you. It's useful fruit for other people. But look at the context of this verse carefully. Produces a crop useful to those for whom it is farmed, receives the blessing of God. I'll remember reading its entirety. Land that drinks in the rain, often falling on it, and that produces a crop useful to those for whom it is farmed, receives the blessing of God. In the end, who receives the blessing of God? The land, the soil of your heart. That what you produce is useful to those who it is farmed for, but the blessings also fill you. We have a responsibility. A responsibility that when the soils of our heart have been cultivated with the, or, or been cultivating the hope of growth, we have to trust that the rain of heaven will produce what is useful for others and what will be a blessing to us. Verse 9 continues. Even though we speak like this, I'm sorry, uh, I will start in verse 8. But land that produces thorns and thistles. Everybody say boo. boo. But land that produces thorns and thistles is worthless and is in danger of being cursed. Those areas of your heart that just produce nothing but sharp words. Those things that come from your Nabal nature, your sinful nature. That area of your heart is worthless. It's not useful to anybody, and it's definitely not a blessing back to you. 
In the end, it will be burned. But here's the message of hope in verse 9. Even though we speak like this, dear friends, we are confident of better things in your case. Amen. Your pastors are confident of better things in your soil of your heart. Things that accompany salvation. I'm talking about that love for the Lord. There's a blazing fire. That love for the Lord that results in the oil of joy being upon the heads of other people. God is not unjust. He will not forget your work and the love you have shown him as you have helped his people and continue to help him. Do you hear a faithful obedience over time that is consistent? We want each of you to show this same diligence up to 90% of the time. Nope. We want each of you to show the same diligence to the very end. You know, diligence is not diligence if it gives up. That's true. Diligence is not diligence if it gives up. <laughs> diligence is having a character that won't quit. Amen. One that perseveres until the very end. He continues, in order to make your hope sure. Come on, Pastor, you telling me that by daily cultivating my heart with this aspect of a hope for growth in me, my family, in my church body, is going to produce in me the fruit of being diligent until the very end? And that will be for the purpose of making my hope sure when I stand before you at the great white throne? Absolutely. We need to diligently obey with character that will not quit. You begin to reach out. You begin to stretch. You begin to grow in what God has given you. Don't give up in the name of Jesus. Don't relent. Let your hands be strong for what God is putting inside of it. Don't loosen your grip. Don't give in to fear and despair. Instead, take another step forward. Pursue it with even greater intensity and perseverance. We have to be more sure of God's ability than our own. When we are more sure of God's ability than our own, it gives us that confidence to do what He's asked us to do. Because it doesn't depend on me. It depends on Him. And He is the God who makes things grow. Seeking to make our hope sure... By imitating those who through trust-grounded obedience and a character that won't quit, guarantee that we inherit what we've been promised. We are surrounded by men and women of God who are daily showing diligence to pursue what they are sure of and hope for. And that ought to be an inspiration for all of us to imitate. That we are cultivating a hope for growth in each other so that we can produce fruit that is useful and a blessing for us. Let's turn to where we started tonight. First Corinthians chapter three. First Corinthians chapter three. We want to remind you of a few things that we've covered tonight. First Corinthians three, five says this. What after all is Apollos and what is Paul? Isn't it interesting that it says what is Paul? Not who is Paul, 
Because the people, they understood that part. Not who are you, what, what are we? What, after all, is Apollos? What is Paul? Come on now, do we read the Bible sometimes too quickly? We just miss what is literally stated there? Only servants, that's it. That's what they are, is they're just servants. They happen to be the servants through whom you came to believe. You're only in the kingdom because of these guys. But let's not, let's not quibble over details here. They're just servants. As the Lord has assigned to each person his task. I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God made it grow. This should put our hearts in the right perspective. It is absolutely your job to be faithfully obedient. It is absolutely to exhaust yourself, to spend yourself completely, wholly, in every way for what the Lord has. And you have to hold on to the truth that it's God that makes it grow. So what happens when you do see growth? Thank you, Lord. Amen. I clearly cannot make this grow. No amount of tilling, no amount of planting. No, I can't make it actually grow. All I can do is get ready for you to move, is to get ready for you to rain upon us that you might make things grow. And we're going to keep doing it. And we're going to keep doing it because you are the one who makes things grow. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything. Yeah. See, the problem is, is we think we're not anything but all at the wrong moments. When God is actually trying to make us grow, we look at ourselves and think that we're not anything. See, he's saying, yeah, you have a task to do. The only thing that matters is God who makes things grow. The man who plants and the man who waters have one purpose. Everybody say one purpose. One purpose. People try to use this scripture to divide people in the kingdom, actually. Well, you do this and I do this. You know what the whole point of this is? It's got, we've got one purpose. We've got one purpose. Just be the body. Just, just work the soil. Just be the building that he's building. Just do what he told you to do and he makes it grow. That's the point of this passage. Not to divide us, but to cause us to have a unity. To cause us to have an ichad, a singleness of purpose that says, we're going to do everything we can, Lord. Because only you can make it grow. Come on. And we're going to let our hope rise that you, in fact, will do this. And each one will, record, will be rewarded according to his own labor. For we are God's fellow workers. Isn't that interesting? We're the fellow workers with him. He's putting us in a field. And we're the field. <laughs> you are God's field. You're both working with him and you're the field. You are also God's building, by the way. And then he goes on and talks about God being an expert builder with laying foundations. That's the next part of the story. But in this part of the story, he's showing you how you're God's field. And if you're God's field, it's his responsibility to make you grow. There's something I really gleaned from 1 Corinthians 3. As pastor was sharing this. We have the obedience of two men. Paul's obedience to sow the seed. Paulus's obedience to water. 
God responded to their obedience and their unity. He responded to their ichad with each other and with him. And his response was to make things grow. You know, the early church after the death of Jesus, they were full of fear. Little 40 days. They were in the upper room praying. They were in unity. They were all together in one place. The soils of their heart had been cultivated. They were crushed. The seed that Jesus had planted for three and a half years was lying in their hearts. And in a single moment, the presence of God fell and it watered that seed within their hearts. But it required for them to be in unity. What's God waiting on? He's waiting on our unity and obedience with him and each other. Finding it difficult to cultivate the hope for growth. Check your unity. Check your unity with him and check your unity with those around you. When that unity is in place, God will begin to make things grow. Revelation 14, 12. Don't turn there. Stand to your feet. Revelation 14, 12. Speaking of a trying time. A trying time on the saints. They'll be persecuted. You know, nothing purifies the hearts of believers like persecution. We see this in other countries where the gospel is preached in underground churches, covert messages. They have no denominations among them. It's not until persecution goes away that they have denominations. We see unity among them. And we see God making things grow even more under persecution. And the encouragement that we see in Revelation 14, 12 is that this calls, meaning in the face of persecution, calls for patient endurance. Hupomone. It calls for a character that will not quit on the part of the saints who obey God's commands and remain faithful to Jesus. Come on, it's, it's, it's our love for him that drives everything that we do. It's our love for him that sustains us. It's our love for him that helps us cultivate a hope for growth. We're calling you to cultivate the hope of growth tonight by replacing disobedience with obedience to his commands. We're calling you to cultivate the hope of growth tonight by remaining faithful to his name while forsaking the reputation of your own. We're calling you to cultivate the hope of growth tonight by having character that won't quit so you can elevate your priesthood as you elevate your hope. I got to ask some questions. What have you given up hope in? But the Lord has spoken what he's clearly shown you. Where have you given up hope in that? Let's deal with it tonight.
What seed has, that God has planted in you have you dug up in doubt and need the Lord to help you plant back into the cultivated soil as the hope of growth? What promise have you stopped watering and need to cry out to the Lord tonight to send down His rain and resurrect the life within that promise? Let's elevate our priesthood here at the altar so that we can elevate our hope. Our hope that He will accomplish what He desires in us, in our families, and in this church. Our hope that is His grain, wine, and oil that would become abundant within our lives. And fruitful for others. As we begin to pray, this altar is open. And it's open so that you can have your heart resurrected in the hope for growth of what God will do in you, your families, and everything is entrusted. Mighty God, we surrender our hearts to you right now. But we ask that help us. Help us, mighty God. Help us overcome and crush the fear and despair that robs us of the hope for growth. Help us replace it with a faithfulness to your name, with a faithfulness to your commands, with a faithfulness to the promises that you have made for us and that you will complete what you began as a good work within us. We ask that your spirit come. Come, Lord. May we be unified with you and maybe we unify with those around us and that you would be pleased with that unity. Your spirit would breathe life and cause us to grow. In Jesus' name.